0: 32. You know I can't go past my fingers and toes. That's just not fair. All right. Hey all you crazy sci-fi hey. one day, but not today. Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit and space is the place The podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. We will start from left to right in no special order. Uh, Larry Korea, can you introduce yourself to anyone that lives under a rock and doesn't know who you are?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm Larry Korea. I'm a novelist. I I write books with uh, Bayon Books primarily. I'm best known for the Monster Hunter International series, but I've done a bunch of other stuff like Hard Magic and uh, Saga of the Forgotten Warrior and Tom Stranger and a bunch of other things. So uh, yeah, no, that's me.
2: Sounds, uh, Tom Strangers, my happy music at work.
1: Oh yeah, I love Tom.
0: <laughs> and uh, Steve Diamond, um, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers as well?
3: Yeah,
4: um, because no one knows who I am anyway, right? You know, it's not like Larry. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, my name is Steve Diamond, uh, primarily a horror author, actually. Um, from uh, do a lot of stuff with Bane now and uh, Wordfire Press. Um, I've written for a lot of role-playing games. Um, yeah, big big time horror guy.
0: well uh, standing the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we first found them. So I found Larry, I met him in person at the last honor con, which was what, 2018, I think.
5: Uh, he was yeah. really nice.
0: So I checked out his books. We were involved with a the great debate with uh, Marco Cluse about the proper order to assemble a hamburger, I remember. I'm not sure your position on it, but it was just entertaining. Cause you know <laughs> what else are you gonna argue about while people are drinking beer? Uh, and then I stumbled on his podcast, The Writer's Jojo, where I found Steve, and he amused me, so I searched out books he had written to get him on the show, because he's funny. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize when we invited you for this particular book that you wrote that with Larry, so we're going to have you back again about just your stuff,
3: because why not?
0: That's right. All right. Good to be. Larry, you, have ins- you were here on episode one at the beginning, so you were the founding father of the religion questions, but Steve, yeah. now you get to your trial by fire, so Doc, here go. Let's see if he gets to stay. All he right. gets to stay!
2: Would you quit sounding like you might be actually in charge of something? One day. So, <laughs> Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly, which one would you pick?
4: Ooh, we're gonna say Old Testament Star Wars.
2: Oh, nice! The Old Testament of Star Wars is the best.
4: That's right. They made excellent movies. There were three of them. I just wish they'd make more. I know. If only, if only there had been more Star Wars after that. I think the world would have been a better place.
2: There was the Rogue One fan
1: <laughs> film. Was pretty good. Yeah, that was.
0: That was
4: I have heard
2: that was pretty
0: phenomenal. If you like the Rogue One fan film, you should listen to the Angry Staff Officer. It's a podcast. They broke down everything wrong with the strategy and the logistics of that operation and why it was destined to fail from the beginning. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it was- I <laughs>
2: have bad. heard that the uh, star, the bastard child of Star Wars and Firefly, is pretty good though, Mandalorian.
4: Fair. Yeah. I like. I, I enjoy it. I've yeah, it it's good. it's pretty good, especially if you're fans of like, you know, some of the old like samurai Western films. Yeah. Yeah. All right, oh, Josh, he- we got one more. Okay.
2: Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or The Wheel of
4: Time? Oh, you know what? We're we're just gonna we're gonna stick with the classics. We're gonna stick with Lord of the Rings because um, because uh, <laughs> I grew up reading The Hobbit and uh, and and the the original trilogy. So,
0: The Hobbit is how short people learn they too could be heroes.
4: That's right. <laughs> That's
5: right.
0: There's Don't room tell
2: room my mom room. that.
0: Your mom time. likes me. It's okay.
2: I don't need her getting any more bold than she is.
0: I look like
1: one of the dwarves. Though. I'm looking at my picture right now. This is true. I, I haven't shaved for a while. So.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> I'm a six foot five
0: dwarf. So, you know, I tried to grow a beard and I look like the Unabomber. So I just go clean shaving.
2: You know what? You blend in in my family.
4: You should have seen Larry in his murder hobo days. Oh, I went <laughs> big, yeah. pushy beard. So. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: Yeah,
0: I look like Gimli. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad look. I, I approve. <laughs>
2: Okay, so, and both of you guys can answer this, but which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy?
4: For me, it's fantasy for sure.
1: Fantasy. I like them both, but I I first love was fantasy. Yeah,
0: same for me. So... What was your first memory of engaging in fantasy? Then was it um, reading The Hobbit, watching the cartoon, which was epic? The I think it was out in the seventies. Nice. Uh, Looking was- in
2: the mirror and realizing you're secretly a giant, Larry. <laughs>
1: no, my first my first fantasy was actually um, Elfstones of Shannara.
0: Oh, good one! Mom, I loved that one.
1: My okay. mom picked up out of a um, uh, somebody's yard sale. Yeah. yeah, it had. It was missing its cover. So this was a nineteen seventies so, something edition, yeah, or eighty yeah. early eighties. Yeah.
4: So you know, oddly enough, mine is very similar. It was it was the Shannar series, but I didn't get to read them. Um it I they were up on my on my mom's shelf. She had the original three, you know, Ooh. Um, sword, elf stones, and wish song. And I remember seeing them and they were so huge at the time. Um and then Brandon came into existence and made them all look tiny. <laughs> but uh, you know I saw them up there and I thought I asked my mom I'm like I want to read those those are awesome She said nah not today kid and she gave me um, she gave me Lloyd Alexander the book of three and so oh, that was okay. actually my very first one um, and then Narnia and then the Hobbit and then I decided I was I decided I had to read all the big books so that's when I did Lord of the Rings and uh, and uh, Shannara. yeah.
0: Cool. That works. I did spend a summer looking through the uh, the creek near my house, wandering around looking for the elf stones. As I wandered through the through the water, joke
4: that'd have been awesome.
0: I didn't find them, unfortunately. I'm sure,
2: your mom just didn't lock you out of the house.
0: Maybe there <laughs> were some of that. I was like one of the last of the Latchkey kids, so it was all good. <laughs> all right. So now the uh, important question what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre that encompasses encompasses all of the things so i'm not limiting you to just fantasy
4: or sci-fi boy for for me i'll take a horror take on it and that's the um i like how one there's the escapism aspect of it you can you can read things you, you can experience things that you definitely wouldn't want to experience in real life and it's a safe environment for it um plus i mean monsters. Who doesn't like freaking monsters? I love monsters. I love seeing monsters eat people and murder things. I mean, what's not to love about that?
2: I will admit there's something very therapeutic after a rough day at work.
4: Absolutely. This is why I actually write like short fiction. I wrote a story once about an auditor who'd had a bad day because I'd just gotten home from work having had a bad day. That's fair. I was an, account- an accountant.
0: Fair. So what about you, Larry? What is it about speculative fiction, uh, the umbrella genre that you love?
1: It's like the coolest job ever because I like guess it's to make up lies and, and bull crap and get paid a lot of money for it. And it's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love, I love, I'm just, I'm a compulsive storyteller. always have been ever since I was a little kid. Uh, and so it's just, I love it. I just, it's a hoot. And so I just kind of enjoy the entire process. And uh, I, I like entertaining people.
0: All right. So many authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So, are there any specific formidable moments that you think shaped you as a storyteller, Larry? This time, you get to answer first. Ooh,
1: geez, I don't know. I—that's uh, a tough one. I—I uh, I don't have anything specific, like, uh, but I do definitely draw heavily from real life. Uh, I steal liberally from people I know. Uh, good <laughs> lines uh, funny events. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that happens in different books is just thinly veiled versions of real life stuff, like made cooler and funnier. So don't have any specific examples. You know, that, that scene of monster hunter where uh, they're, they're visiting this redneck trailer park and uh, there's an outside couch and there's dog sleeping on the couch. They tell the cat, they tell the dog to get up and they smack the dog, dog pees all over the couch cushion so the rednecks like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he just flips the couch cushion over so they could sit on the dry side. <laughs> yeah, that's true story. I actually had that
4: happen to me. So there you go. <laughs> All
0: right. So Steve, can you top that one?
4: <laughs> no, no, I can't. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big sucker for um, for cop fiction, um, whether whether you know straight up noir stuff or like supernatural noir stuff. And that's because I grew up in a cop family. I mean, my dad my dad was a career cop. And so I, I lived and breathed that for, you know, as long as that's, I can remember.
2: That's yes. gotta be hard. Like I was a soldier yeah. spouse after I got out of the army and somebody looked at me and went, that's gotta be so hard. And it, they were, it was a cop's wife and I went, no, I'd rather have him go on deployment and only worry about him for a set number of months. You
4: know, there was, there's one time and and I, and I talk about this when I talk about horror quite a bit, um, you know, cause people say, why do you write horror? And I'm like, cause it's fun. And they don't get it. And I'm like, well, you know, real life is is way rough compared to fiction. Um, and, I, and I talk about the time when uh, when my dad, mm-hmm. my dad was uh, he worked night shift um, at the at the main jail in Sacramento for a while. And uh, there's one night when you're when you're a family of a cop, there's there's certain things you don't want to know. You don't want you don't want late night phone calls and you don't want late night door knocks. Right. Yeah. Right. And so um, we got a late night phone call. And my, and I hear my mom run down the hall, get out, you know, answer the phone. And then she's, she's out the door and she drives off and it happens within like three minutes. And so, you know, the first thing I thought was, well, crap, did did I just lose my dad? Like this sucks. Um, Turns out he just, he just gotten hurt in a scuffle at the jail, you know, I had effed his knee a little bit, but you know, when, when you start thinking about those things and you think about the stakes of that um, I, I pull a lot of that into my writing and and I think that that's you know telling those sorts of stories so that you know it, it's better to read them than to live them, and yeah. so you know so that, that I mean I I pull a lot of that into my writing I think.
0: Yeah, one of the things I noticed since we started writing is you always think the more outrageous stuff, oh that that would never happen, and then you hear people's stories and you're like, some of the stuff <laughs> that real happens in real life. If I ever put that in a book, nobody would believe it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. tell yeah about the um, the, the buddy, Yeah.
1: So so one time I got into this, in real life, I got into a bike wreck, and uh, I got tore up. I uh, ruined my bursa sack, my rotator cuff. I tore the skin off from basically here to here. I mean, I had chunks of gravel embedded in me. And I was in the middle of nowhere, though, so I had to walk a couple miles. And uh, I did, so I just kind of walked it off. And so then Monster Hunter, I had the character fall off a car and get hurt like that and walk off road rash. And I got somebody all butthurt in the comment, in the in the review. is like, no one could walk off road rash. And I was like, of all the unrealistic supernatural monster stuff I put in this book, the one thing the guy cried about was the thing that I had done <laughs> in real life because I had no choice.
0: It always amuses me where people's lines in the sand are about where their suspension of disbelief ends. Like, so you were with me at Dragon's, but not road rash. Got it.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, well, my choices were, yeah, I could either walk like a mile and a half or I could lay there on the side of the road. <laughs> I,
2: sure. I, I don't see you laying there on the side of the road for very long. No, the really stupid part
1: was I was all tore up, and we got there, and I and I and I, I got to my friend's house and took pictures. Uh, we took picture. We call we called the called for medical, and then uh, took photos. And but I, I got in like these cool like fighting stances.
5: Nice. <laughs> we all
1: tore up and covered in blood. Because <laughs> that's Cause what why you not, when right? When you're like 21.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned fans. But what is the funniest fan interaction you've had? And Larry, you can't use one of the one that came to mind for you for me. Oh geez. The one when I first met you at Liberty Con. I don't know if you remember it.
1: It's been a few years.
2: I literally I was so overwhelmed because I'd read I hadn't read any of your books yet, but I'd read your blog posts. I literally sat there and poked my th- hand like I was pressing a reset button. <laughs> And you asked me about it later, and I'm like, huh, let me explain. That was a stupid moment.
4: You know, the only thing that comes to mind. Mar- and
2: I was sober and I did that.
4: Let's see. You know, Larry and I end up standing next to each other at conventions quite a bit, selling books. And there was, and, and it's obvious the people who who have actually That's seen. The
2: medical order.
4: You know, they they've seen Larry. They know who he is, usually. But every now and then you have the people come up and because you know larry will be on a panel or something and and so i'm standing there selling books and and i and i've read all of larry's books I, you know i've been his pre-reader for a long time and and so i sell his books just fine and so someone would come up and you know they'd hear me talking about one of the books and you they'll come and say oh hi uh it, it's really great to meet you and i'm like oh that's great and they say yeah man i'm a big fan of your books and i'm thinking this is wonderful no one, no one knows who I am, and they love my book. This is amazing. And so we talk and talk and talk, and it's not for, like, five minutes. And then su- suddenly I realize, oh, they think I'm Larry. <laughs> and I say, and then, you know, you have to – there's, like, the awkward transition of, oh, you're not Larry. I'm like, no, I'm not. But here's my book. Do you want to buy it? <laughs> like, I mean, we've – At that I've, point,
2: I've they need to buy
4: it. It's got a Larry cover quote. <laughs> it's true, it does.
2: I mean, at that point I would buy it if I ever did that.
1: They should just buy it out of out of like
5: out of shame good. and embarrassment.
4: I <laughs> Still, it's money probably why same color. It's all good. No, no, I've had some
1: I've had some weird fan reactions. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've had, I've, I've had a, a lot. It's hard to think of something particular. The weirdest well, thing for me was when I went to the Czech Republic on book tour, I went to Prague, and I'm like I'm like David Hasselhoff in Germany. So I'm like, I'm okay in America, but in the Czech Republic, I'm like a rock superstar. And so I had all sorts of weird stuff. Like people were coming up to me in the bathroom for me to sign stuff while I was in the bathroom. That's uh, a little They'd come up with like an eight by 10 glossy photo of me to sign. There's jokes there somewhere. Girls would come up and ask me to sign their cleavage my, while well, my wife was there. And So every time <laughs> I would like have the Sharpie and I'd look at my wife and she'd be like, like, okay, it's like. She's like, they're fans, you may. And I'm like,
2: I know? remember Bridget telling me about
0: this. Does <laughs> she yeah, ever so have cool. a conversation with you about that afterwards? She's like, if you weren't uh if you weren't making so much money right now. <laughs> well no,
1: if my wife was there, if my wife was not there, there's no flipping way I would ever do that. But she was there. So I was like, Are you sure? she's like, they are fans, you may. I am like, Yes, dear. <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> she she is amazing. Uh, um
1: she
2: is. Uh, she is. Don't take me wrong. This wrong. I think you're great, and I love talking with you. But Bridget is really a lot of. Fun.
1: Yeah, you've met my wife several times now. You know, Everyone's She's jealous. awesome. She's yeah, she's awesome.
2: She's still. Uh, yeah, I know she's awesome. We. I hung out with her a bunch at a Fourth of July party, and you weren't even there, and it was even worse. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but have you had anybody dress up? Or cosplay one of your characters, or some cool fan art.
1: Yeah, I have Um, cosplay. I've seen a lot of cosplay, a lot of, a lot of Trailer Park Elves, a lot of different takes on Monster Hunter armor. Uh, You
5: you do
2: some great descriptions. I've had no, which really does help a cosplayer out, man. I've had
1: cosplayers like cosplay from some of the from of the Facebook gags, like Cookie Monster. Uh, I remember. We attacked a cookie monster at Dragon Con one year. Um, I fan art. Know that one. Crazy amounts of fan art. Tons and tons of fan art. Paintings, art. Um, Gosh, I,
4: tattoos. Well,
1: like. I know.
2: I have a picture of one of the tattoos.
0: My favorite, though, was when Larry cosplayed as a Krasnovian. Those evil scum. Atropian <laughs> Lives Matter. I'm just saying. That was hilarious. We can, and for those we can,
5: who.
1: Atropia, you know, we can't even keep. Krasnovia, we can't even keep up with all the countries we've had genocide with.
0: Yeah, and for those who don't know, it's a fictional company, a country the U.S. government invented just to play out war games for our soldiers. And then when he it did, he did that, it was endorsed by
2: fantasy authors, apparently.
0: Yeah, and uh, they kicked him cool. off of Facebook for a while because he said it was hate speech because he was making fun of a fake country. That's I what I was going to say. I appointed
1: so myself ambassador of Krasnovia and started talking trash about all the other training center countries that we had beat up. And i was like you know we are krasnovia we are a great and proud nation primarily known for our sandwiches and genocide <laughs> but mostly sandwiches and, and i actually got and I, one time i referred to um, pineland. pineland i was attacking pineland and i referred to as doc Wolrab, but i referred to pineland as uh filthy pine landy and goat rapists and i got kicked off of facebook for a month for for hate speech against an imaginary country
2: uh, I remember that Dragon Con. There are many ribbons about uh, I Stand yeah. With
1: Cresnovia. No, so I started doing video updates from the Gulag, <clears throat> where I was like wearing a big Russian furry hat and a great coat. And I, was, and I was speaking with my terrible Russian, fake Russian accent. And I was in my basement, my unfinished part of my basement. And I was just like giving these updates from the Gulag. And then when I got freed, when I was able to go back on Facebook, my wife took photos. So my son dressed up in a ga- Russian gas mask had an AK-47. and was wearing an Adidas tracksuit. And oh, then he's, awesome. like, escorting me out of prison as I'm like, I can't see this
0: <laughs> I remember that picture. My wife was
1: up on a tall ladder, so it looked like the picture was coming from a helicopter.
0: That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to hold back the helicopter jokes.
5: Oh, so,
1: man. I'm so bad.
0: All right. So what about you, what? Steve? Anybody Steve... has cosplayed your horror characters yet?
4: No. I mean – I mean, I guess if someone wants to come as a corpse, they can. But,
0: uh, <laughs> so you every know. zombie is really from your books. They just don't know that's, it yet.
4: Yeah, that's totally legit. Yeah. yeah. We, we need know, so to
1: take off because there's some pretty baller dude, costumes. Dude, that'd be awesome. Our, if we got an object or something. Oh an object,
4: gosh, that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, but they'd they, they, they have to do like one of the big Iron Man suits like the for Dragon Kong, you know, where they're like 12 feet tall. Yeah. All four oh, years. yeah. That'd be
0: awesome. The Warhammer like, Marine suits are like pretty that. Pretty World
1: War One kind of pseudo-steampunk magic okay. robot suit. I'll make Come that'd, on, be, that'd be so
0: cool. I want to do that,
1: but that would cost like 10 grand. <laughs> so you're already
0: tall enough for that, so you don't really need to. Can
1: you imagine me on those stilts, though, if I wore those, like, the electric Wait. stilt feet?
2: You know, right? you mentioned Dragon Con, and there's an amazing cosplay competition that is specifically for people who are doing cosplays from books. Hmm.
0: Well, now. Got a book category now?
2: Oh. oh, no, it's its own competition called Page to Stage.
4: Cool. Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah, I might know the people who run it.
1: Oh, yeah. You know a couple people at Dragon Call, I imagine.
2: <laughs> I run it.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, Zach. Let's get this show moving anyway. so we can talk about the books.
2: Let's right, talk yeah. about I, – well, I do want to ask them, unless you want me to cut it. They're first no, no, when somebody asked them to sign a book. What was that like?
4: So, for me, it was in – when was that – when did we crash that World Fantasy? Was that 2011? <laughs> 20, 2010. Is it 2010 or 2011? I was new. So 2010 or 2011, Larry and I crashed a World Fantasy Convention. We San t- Diego. So we we totally to weren't to invited. To we weren't invited. No, we just went anyway and just went everywhere anyway. Um, and uh, and I'd had like, I had two short stories. It was my first two sales. Um, and one one was the second one was with Larry, and uh, and we were just kind of wandering around the 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 dealers hall, and you know people were signing. Neil Gaiman was there. He had a line of like eight million people. Of course. And then you know everyone else, and uh, the guy who had put together the anthology that I was in, he he grabbed me and yanked me over, and he's like, "Hey, I didn't know you were here. Uh, here, sit down. I have I have some copies of the anthology for you to sign." I'm like, "Heck yeah!" So I sat down and started signing. I have that picture somewhere. I should find it. Um, it was awesome. I mean, that's there, there. It was an anthology, right? Like, and, and I was a nobody in it, but. Um, there there's something about that experience that's super surreal i, I remember that like it's yesterday
1: yeah copy so, was in a gun store actually
0: nice. that's an epic place for it About everyone was very polite
2: that's very on brand of you larry
1: well, no it'd be, it'd be true because i actually owned a gun store when i wrote my first book when it's self-published and so i actually the very first copy i ever autographed was to uh <laughs> to one of my customers at my
0: gun store so how did you not go get poor buying your own supply like that that'd be hard
1: uh, actually, the way the way it worked is when you own the place, you're the last one to get paid, and there was a lot of months that monies, there. Is months where there's no money to get paid, so I just be like, ah, I don't have a paycheck. I'll take this one home.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, all right, so, so, so I have a
1: lot of guns from like uh, the early two thousands. <laughs>
0: Fair. So we, we like to encourage people to join newsletters because you don't want to be tied to any one platform because things can go belly up at any time. So Steve, if people um, sign up for your newsletter, which we'll link to in the show notes, could and you find that picture, could you show them the one you just mentioned?
5: Oh, yeah. I this can, is
0: going out this month, so it'll be going out um, next week. So you have, you know, for April, if you find it, you could, you could oh, yeah, share I with them.
4: picture. I can find that. I'm, I, I bet I have it on my Facebook somewhere.
0: Outstanding. All right, Doc, you get one last question. That was a Before we talk. Nerdy with books. Yeah, that was
1: nuts. I was I dead, dead. Dead. Oh, awesome. Oh, that's right. I did. I geeked out. I met yeah, because he's
2: awesome. He's awesome. Except, so, Jared, I, <laughs> it's a, Jer, I a- answered all of them, unless you want me to start stealing yours, but you might whine about that again.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. So, this is the part of the introduction or introduction interview where we get to ask you, Larry, and then you, Steve, about what you're known for. So, the Reader's Digest version, Larry, because you write a crap ton of books. <laughs> right, the rest of us, Tell us just, how you feel about that? I mean, one I day know. when we grow up, we will be Larry Korea, but for now, you know, I don't
2: um, want to be Larry, I'd rather be Bridget for the record.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I could <can laughs> not be her on account of my garden to never live. Like, I just I got a black thumb, everything dies in my garden. Bridget's definitely
1: prettier. Um, oh, so I, I, I okay, by way of introduction, like, uh, biggest thing I do is Monster Hunter, that's what I'm known for, Monster Hunter International. Some of the Black Swords, my epic fantasy series, that's my number two one. Uh, Hard Magic is a really popular one, 1930s alternate history. Uh, Tom Stranger is my comedy sci-fi. Gunrunner is my sci-fi with John Brown. Uh, uh, Dead Six is my thriller series with Mike Coopery. And then with uh, Steve, we just did Servants of War, which is yeah, so. yeah, dark military fantasy.
0: Yeah, very, like yeah, pretty busy. Yeah, written a couple. Sometimes he sleeps. I don't but know. Not often, when it's he's like, not, it you might know, be your
2: job or something.
0: When he's not invading Pineland. But uh what about you, Steve? What are you? what is your body of work?
4: Oh gosh, you know, it's it's a, it's a much trimmer, smaller body. Um <clears throat> anemic even. Um, so it's uh so no, I um my first novel was called Residue, and it was a, a young adult thriller, supernatural thriller or horror, whichever one doesn't offend you. Um so that's that. I've, I've written a lot of short stories um, and then, uh, you know, I put together collections and and then, of course, now, you know, Servants of War. And then You had I, a
1: collection come out this week or last week. Yeah, I had a, I had a
4: Ooh. story collection of a lot of my own stuff that just came out. I mean, almost all of it's horror and it's called What Hellhounds Dream. So. Cool.
0: Do they dream of electric
4: sheep? No, no. It turned all just all awful things, all awful okay. things. Well, A dream geez. of
0: nuts on pizza, Doc. Oh. That's just wrong. How could you go there? That's, that's, that's not premise. how I eat my pizza, but it's how you do. Doc, you're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have to fire you again. I'm gonna dock your pay. That's it. You're, you you get half all pay. Right, this I'll, week. I'll try
2: whatever, but that sounds weird.
0: <laughs> all right. So while that all sounds fascinating, obviously we're here for the novel you co-wrote since you're both on the stage today. So what was the? Uh, that'd be Servants of War. So what was the premise for this universe? Where'd you come up with the idea?
4: Boy, you know the yeah. It, it, we we were supposed to write a novel for another place um, for a game company, and it all completely fell apart. Um, and so we we scrubbed the serial numbers off of it, um, got rid of all the stuff that we didn't want to do anyway, and then just kind of came up with basically kind of theory crafted around the world what we wanted to do, and so um, that's how it came, you know. Kind of our, our quick elevator pitch of it is 1917 meets the witcher right so it's uh you know a standard farm kid who uh has horrible terrible awful things happen to him and then enlists in the military because his country's in a
2: that's not going to be any better
4: yeah because his country's in the middle of a war that's been going on for a century and so But well, he doesn't really
1: get a lot of choice in the matter no. because like uh Ancient forest spirit tells him to.
0: <laughs> so, so the forest press ganged him. Okay. Pretty much.
1: Pretty much, yeah, actually. When the Baba Yaga says, you know, go enlist, you enlist.
2: <laughs> There's probably some poor army recruiter out there going, I wonder if I can get that to stick. <laughs>
0: no, mine just told me girls love a dude in uniform.
1: Yeah, you got to wonder about the one recruiter where you go in and he's got bones hanging from the ceiling and he's got ravens shitting on his shoulder. Yeah, that's, that's basically who he signed up with.
0: I didn't have to worry about that though, because we, my, my, I got fate got revenge for me on my drill sergeant for all the lies, my um, recruiter for all the lies he told me. Someone after while I was at boot camp, he got arrested for sleeping with one of the wives and daughters. They were of age, don't worry. Of one of the people he put into the army, so Uh, the army got even with him. So I'm like, ah, karmic justice. Same family. Yeah, the guy was going back (laughs) in after a breach of service. So his daughter was 18, and his wife was, I guess, 38 or so. And they, they, he got caught because the wife and daughter found out and they got jealous. And so it became a thing. But yeah, I mean, like, fate got even for me. So, but I don't know if that's going to work with the Bobby Yaga. Like, I don't know that, that she's going to uh, care about that kind of stuff. It was an in.
1: episode of The Unit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> was it really? I've never watched it. I don't
1: know. I haven't either.
0: <laughs> All right. So we, we, <laughs> don't die. Before we, uh, before we dive in to talk about the cover, because we're at that time. We're gonna take a moment while we pause and shamelessly chill for
3: the man. The war between Al and the empire of Kolokovia is in its hundredth year. Casualties grow on both sides as the conflict leaves no corner of the world untouched. Alarian Glaskov's quiet life on the fringes of the Empire is thrown into chaos when an impossible tragedy strikes his village. When he is conscripted into the Tsarist military, he is sent to serve in The Wall, an elite regiment that pilots suits of armors made from the husks of dead goblins. But the Great War is not the only, or even the worst, danger facing Alarian as he is caught in a millennia-old conflict between two goddesses. He must survive the ravages of trench warfare, horrific monsters from another world, and the treacherous internal politics of the country he serves. Servants of War, New Military Fantasy, by Master of Horror Steve Diamond, and international bestseller Larry Korea. Available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today.
2: My recruiter
0: lied to me. All right. But, thank you for sticking with us. And Doc's telling us about how her recruiter lied to me, but she can't get through this three minute commercial break because she's just dying over here. So instead, we're gonna come back and we're gonna put this glorious cover on the screen. And uh let me get that. See, stuff out my there.
2: recruiter told me as a medic I wasn't likely as likely to end up in a hospital, but then he told my mom the other thing. So
0: Well, see the they like to tell the National Guard that they'll only deploy us after the women's auxiliary but before the boy scouts so like world peace was going to happen in 98 cnn did a special so i was safe but you know whatever you know
2: yeah peace in our time right
0: got right, it right. but instead of talking about all the lies we get told we should do an episode about the lies our recruiter told us that could be like a fireside chat but for today we're going to talk about servants of war so uh can you tell us where you guys got this idea for this cover i will say it's glorious and i want to put a poster mm-hmm. on my wall uh
1: actually uh, alan Pollock is the artist um, and so when we were describing kind of like what the aesthetic was, um, we, we referred him to the, the Polish artist. Um, oh, I can't say, I can't remember his name.
4: Oh gosh. What's that guy's name?
1: Pretty famous artist. And we were just like, we, that's kind of the aesthetic here. We were really enjoying And, uh, Alan looked at and he goes, okay, cool. And then he read the book and he's like, oh man, I want to
4: draw an object. And, uh, so that's what the big robot suit is. Yeah. the guy's name right. was, uh, Jacob Rosalski. I probably pronounced that wrong. You know the, the guy that did all of the um he took like all of the Polish and Russian um like landscapes and inserted okay. like into them. Oh I've seen that work. That's yeah, awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 So we we wanted we, we really wanted um something of, of that mindset. Um and we were describing it. And then he came back with this and we were like, hey, that's good. We actually made one change to the book too,
1: because of this little behind the scenes. You notice object only has three fingers. Right. And uh, we never like mentioned like like how many fingers the actual robot suit had. And so we totally changed it. And uh, it actually made sense because on the gun side, you would disconnect your, your your trigger finger was outside the controls. And that is actually what operated the gun. Hence why okay. it had three fingers. So actually, Alan, Alan made us put a cool gun detail into the book.
0: Yeah, that is <laughs> awesome. So did you lean in then to the sort of russian polish folklore or was that just coincidence for an art style
1: it was this is very slav uh slavic folklore inspired heavily borrowed from stuff oh yeah yeah we
4: yeah super heavy.
1: yeah basically if it's from some dark forest anywhere east of estonia we we were stealing stuff from it <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean i
2: we, love how honest you are about that
1: Oh no! Yeah, I'm not one of some of the, some some of these uh, writers are gonna be all like, oh, I'm so brilliant, blah blah blah. I'm like, oh man, here's hey Steve, here's this crazy legend about like you know,
2: hey, some monster. people like Kool Aid a lot.
1: <laughs> it's like here's this crazy Latvian you know witch story, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. No, so yeah, we're all in on the Slavic folklore. Our timing was great though, as, as we were saying when this book came out, because. Um, we wrote a book was kind of like pseudo-Slavic, a lot of Russian names in it and stuff, a big war story, and it came out the week World War III started, so um, <laughs> yeah, our timing was friggin' impeccable for for marketing purposes. Yeah, to, to be fair though, our guys are fighting for like evil pseudo Russia. It's not like they're writing for they're fighting for the good guys here. Half the book is them being abused by their own crappy government. So, oh well. <laughs> Our timing is great. Yeah, I couldn't have planned <laughs> it. <Good> grief.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That... So, what is your thirty-second elevator pitch for this book?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think we just say, um, let's see how I phrase it. I'd say, yeah, this is this is The Witcher meets nineteen seventeen, where the main character is thrust into a war where gods, where gods are the biggest problem. But then the second biggest problem is just enduring a war. So, yes. something along so, those lines. Dark- so, is it more
2: fantasy or sci-fi?
4: Oh, it's uh, fantasy. It fantasy. Yeah. So, it's okay. dark,
1: dark fairy tale, magic world, World War One in the trenches. Yeah. Uh, with guys fighting, you know, crew-served giant suits made out of dead golems.
0: Now, when you mention World War One in trenches, does that mean like gas warfare as well? Oh, oh like, uh,
1: yeah. Gas warfare is a huge part of this book. That's a huge part of it. All book.
2: you have to do is let J.R. eat Brussels sprouts. You'll have plenty of gas.
1: Oh, man. No, we have a scene where they're testing this stuff, the Almatian death smoke, and uh, they test it on a field of sheep. <laughs> it's so horrific. It's yeah. <laughs> so, one, one of those scenes where you see that Steve's a horror author.
5: Yeah.
1: I had to actually, when I went through and edited it, it was like, oh, dude, this is too messed up. I got to like take this down a little bit. There are a few.
0: <laughs> so can you, can we like, pay hey, extra for the copy where the horror was amped up more
1: oh
4: my gosh so, Well, we, we saw the original draft we could sell that for charity yes yeah, <laughs> there was a lot there was a lot yeah, stuff was a, that we pulled back on
1: there was a few places where it was just like it was just a little too dark I didn't want to like like I didn't want to scare some readers away because my stuff is usually kind of like you know rated R for violence and but it's it's still kind of hopeful and it's more action-adventure Man, Steve has some dark stuff in here, like dark, dark psychological horror stuff, and a lot. It's all, it's all still there. I don't think we took yeah, anything we out. We just
4: toned it down a smidge. There was just a
1: few descriptions where I was like, "Let's have like," or well, as, we as we've now used the term that we've used to describe this kind of thing is less rats eating people.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a that's step part. out in the right direction, I guess.
1: Well, that was like a knob is like how is, is, we decided that was like the description was like 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 level of rats eating people on any given scene is like. Some scenes were like 11, and we had to turn them back down to like a 7.
0: You know. All right. But are there scenes where people are eating the rats?
4: Oh, no, I did that in no. Tom Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. You, we'll you put, did. We'll put that one in book. Uh, I promise I'll put that one in book, too. Oh, we will. You, we will. You
0: could always do the uh, Demolition Man take on that. But, and, and hey, JR,
2: maybe they'll even name the person eating the rat JR.
0: I mean, you know.
2: He has I'm a okay straight, and then they can die of food poisoning. I'm he okay has a that. goal to be the. He wants to be the new, um. The Buckley. Joe Buckley
0: of my generation.
1: Jr. Send us a Slavic version of your name. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> I'm
0: totally murder the ever living crap out of you, dude! Outstanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm always game.
3: How so many I, I've been, you I've been having,
0: having conversations with friends to find out if we a character is cloned. If that counts as multiple deaths. <laughs> oh for sure. But but I, I digress. So Doc, ask him what Buckley makes this series special before, before I get us. A- Wait, what
2: what
1: Larry? I killed Joe Buckley three times in one book. You Outstanding.
0: Did. did all three count towards his record?
1: It does because he died as a human being, came back as a werewolf, died, came back as a zombie werewolf and died.
0: like <laughs> What book yep. was this? I must check this out.
1: Yeah, that was that was Alpha. Yeah, Monster Hunter Alpha.
0: All right, now I'm going to be buying that when we're off this air. Okay,
2: okay. So, what is it that you think really kind of makes this unique from different military fantasy novels?
5: Hmm.
2: Is it that you went and raided all the Eastern European
4: <laughs> forests of darkness? You know there there's there is a lot of there's a lot of spec fic out there that that takes place in like kind of sort of not World War II or kind of sort of not Vietnam mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But, mm-hmm. and there's hardly any that has the World War One vibe to it. You know, that's like, Yeah, I think
2: you got like you and Wonder Woman.
4: Yeah, like the legit trench warfare type stuff. I mean, you know, there's there, there's a young adult author that did some stuff, Scott Westerfeld. Um, Leviathan, I think was the first book. Um, he did a little bit of it too, but, you know, not this way, you know, not not pulling in like- you know um you know the the religion that we the way we've done so yeah
1: we took a big religious angle on this one too because we had like a whole a whole church and mythology. where it's kind of like, like uh, the, the the state religion is like a crash between orthodox christian uh, eastern christianity like colliding with like weird paganism with like the three sisters and the three sisters is a kind of thing you can see mm-hmm. in a lot of mythology from all over the world like uh, you know from greece on Yep. Um, yeah. And, and all the way all, all the way over to England and Scotland and Ireland. And uh, no. So we we pulled that in. And uh, so we had the, the we had the angry gods fighting yeah. uh, and uh, one was really pissed off.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but that's a spoiler. I won't get to her. Well, the, the whole the whole idea there, taking some of that and then we kind of threw a like a Cain and Abel spin on it. And that's, you know, three sisters, two got pissed at one, ganged up and murdered the crap out of her. That sounds like sisterhood. And then, and then they were like, "Well, crap! Now we don't have someone to murder, so let's have an endless struggle against each other." We also connected. uh, One thing I think was kind of distinct
1: was because this world that we created is its own distinct world, but it's connected to Earth. And so, all the every group of people that's in here, this is the world where all the fairy tale stuff in Earth comes from, except fairy tale stuff could cross into our world and then go back. When humans would cross through the mists and wind up in this other world, they got stuck there. They couldn't come back. And so they just started to gradually settle and colonize the place. And so every group of people we have there uh, comes from Earth, like a real-life group. I mean, so we have a lost tribe of Israel has wandered in there at one point. Uh, That's where the golems come from. Because on that side, magic works really good.
0: So I'm assuming you're taking the Brothers Grimm style of fairy tales and not so much the Disney version. It's the very dark
4: and twisty, horrible versions where where if if you run across a fairy or a monster, it's going to eat you. Yeah, this ain't uh, this isn't like Tolkien
1: uh, Immortal Pretty Elves. This is like the steal your babies from the crib elves, you know, and we don't even actually deal with them because they're too alien. Yeah, and we only see them. We only see them in the background in a few places. So it's so- dark fairy tales.
2: So can you tell us a bit about the main character? Is the main character human or what?
1: Oh he's a human well, uh, he's, a, he's a farm kid basically from oh yeah you
2: already you mentioned that I'm sorry. No, he's I from swear like, a sleep last oh, night.
1: That's right, he's like from the middle of nowhere Siberia equivalent. He's just a miller, he's just a miller's kid. Uh, and um, everybody in his village is supposed to like everybody is supposed to enlist for mandatory, you know, mandatory conscription at 18 years old like in the whole kingdom. And uh, they, he hasn't, him and his buddy are, are 18, or he's actually like 21 and he's never enlisted because um, uh, his dad died. And so he's like the man of the family and their village is so far out there. They haven't even seen a tax collector in 20 years. So it's like the empire's forgot about him. So he's like, ah, you know, I'm not, you know, he's getting, he's, he's in love, he's getting married. He's got his whole life ahead of him. He's, he's blind as a bat too. He can't see worth crap. Uh, so like him and his buddy are out hunting. He just, he gets the shotgun. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, he, he's a good kid though. He's a good honorable dude. He's a hard worker and he's just, he's just, he, he's like the archetype trope of like the, the farm boy who, who has, who go, who gets sent on the great big adventure as he meets the recruiter slash Bobby Yaga.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you have any other tropes that you put into this story? Oh my
4: gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like all of them.
0: Sure, <laughs>
4: Yeah, you know, one of the things we both really like doing is is putting putting well recognized tropes into stories and then just effing with them. Like, you know So which I mean,
2: was your favorite one that you think you just kind of tortured
4: with this? Oh I, I, I think it's the beginning. You know, we, we start with the, the farm boy who you know y- you expect that him and all of his little buddies and all the we introduce a few characters and it's like, oh, this is gonna be the group. And then we kill everything. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think one of your favorites
1: was like the trope of whole righteous bastard thing. Oh, yeah. Well, so we got a bastard character who uh, uh, he's just a he's a secret policeman. Yeah. And he's Steve's character. Steve, like, wrote all the scenes with this guy. Oh, yeah. Like, it's Kristoff. Uh, yeah. I mean, we yeah, trope, that's a hell of a trope.
4: Yeah. I mean, gosh, you, you see so many you see so many stories out there like the. The guy who's the villain who you think is going to become this really good guy at some point during the story now the only reason this guy isn't the main villain of the book is because there's a worse guy
2: <laughs> i can understand that there are some people who are like that
4: Yeah. But, so, but, man i love writing that character so much
0: you and your therapist have a lot to talk about i bet
2: no that's why he writes horror it's a editor that
1: character gets talked about like in the reviews and stuff more than anybody else oh yeah because oh, yeah. he's like we introduce him and people think he's gonna be like when you first see him, he's doing horrible stuff as a secret policeman. And people think he's gonna be the main bad guy of the book. No, he's actually on the side of the of the heroes for now. For now, doing his own evil crap because his boss is so much worse. We we just took, you know, Rasputin and turned him up to eleven.
0: Ooh. I like that reference. Go on. So do you ever feel cheated, Larry? You mentioned the farm boy trope, and you've done that before. And having grown up on a farm and you didn't get to do all those cool adventures, do you ever feel cheated when you write those? Whatever. I totally do cool
1: adventures. you <laughs> how <laughs> many cows he punched? Come on. Oh, I punched so many cows. Um, no, I uh, I actually, I love the farm boy trope because, like I said, I am a farm boy. And actually, it's funny because some of the best writing I've ever done was in Hard Magic when I just, like, talked about life on a dairy farm. That was all biographical right there. <laughs> all, all those bits. Talking about how miserable it is. And the thing about being a writer, people talk about writing, writing is hard, whatever. Writing is not hard uh, because no matter how what I do in my life, I just say I'm not milking cows. And all of a sudden, it's like way easier. So, so you anything, don't
2: follow the Iowa dairy farmer on TikTok then?
1: Well, He's hilarious. Guess, you guys both went to basic. and There's always there's like, oh, the running joke <laughs> about the dairy farmer kid that's in basic. He's like, oh, I get to sleep in?
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I had that guy in my unit um so this is, uh, we talked great <laughs> and then he, he smokes all of us on the PT test it just wasn't fair he was born with an advantage um the farm it's like
1: having it's like having caveman gym 14 hours a day you're all right, right.
0: <laughs> so were there any secondary characters that, that were in this book that were especially memorable to you guys?
5: Oh, man. other
0: than your not evil villain
5: you're bad
4: guy like the bad guy like you know that guy that guy ended up becoming a main character um <clears throat> probably because i had i just had way too much fun writing him um you know there, there's a thing that happens when when larry and i write together cuz we wrote a lot of short fiction together um back when i was first starting out um and and larry larry had a couple books out um so we've written quite a bit together now but a lot of times, what what we found out is that, like, I kind of know, I kind of know like the kind of like side, tertiary, secondary characters that Larry really likes, and so um, I introduced one in this. He's uh he's basically the the guy who who uh, who builds bullet, who, who make who like you know uh, puts together the ammunition for all of the <clears throat> all the rifles and stuff for all of the snipers, and who invented one of the guns that that goes on the on the objects in it. And I and I wrote this character as just a throwaway, and but as soon as I'd written the character, I thought, oh no, no, Larry's gonna really like this character, and so I so I introduced a couple places where he would show up again, so Larry could write more about
1: it. Yeah, he's basically a
4: little gun gnome, and I was like, yeah. oh, I'm all in. I'm yeah, all,
1: yeah, I, I, I'll. And I actually kind of made him kind of a kind of a
5: father figure.
1: Yeah. Not a father figure, but like, oh, kind of. It yeah, sorta. Of. I it's weird because like you'll have like these secondary, and tertiary characters did a podcast on this yeah and like what will happen is like all of a sudden they'll become like really cool and like you'll be writing them and it's like wow that guy was awesome and the next thing you know they're like a bigger character and so like the tertiary characters become secondary characters yeah uh one of my
2: favorite characters on on um the arrow was like that
4: smoke which, oh yeah yeah I like was a... one or two I it's not about felicity smoke yeah. Felicity
2: Smoke and then um the sister in Supergirl oh which ironically both those characters were not in the comics. Right. They were put yeah. as secondary characters and I actually became more invested in the char- those characters than the other ones.
1: Yeah, no, that's honestly that's a that's if that's that's like fun cool writing. If you
4: if you get a secondary character all of a sudden you care about that much, that's good that's good work. Well shoot, I remember I was reading I was reading Monster Hunter, Hunter Nemesis a while back when it first came out um and and that's where larry really like really introduces the vatican combat exorcists um i mean he introduced them in alpha but but you know in nemesis when i when i saw one in action uh, guterres i was like man this character is amazing i love this character and so when when larry so uh,
2: characters reminded me of the adeptus Sororitas. oh yeah from warhammer pretty
4: mm-hmm. gay. oh absolutely and so when so when when Larry tapped me to write a story for the for the Monster Hunter Files anthology, I was like, "Whoa, I know what I'm doing." So, so I I grabbed onto that character and made another made another new one and 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 wrote in that. I mean, cool. secondary character, secondary tertiary characters who become just so much fun to write. I mean, I love that stuff. <laughs> one yeah. of the
0: things. I like doing is when you talk to the various authors and at this point we're at episode about 140 or something like that. And you talk to authors, oh, yeah. it always amazes me that some of the most popular fan characters are ones that were throwaways that no one ever, the authors never thought would be anything and suddenly they become something because the fans care. Yep. So that, that always amuses me. It's like, they were just like, they filled a purpose in the plot and they were, that was it. That was all they were supposed to do. So Speaking of purposes in the plot, uh, does your character, can you tell us about the bad guy they have to confront without spoilers? Or is the answer going to blow too much? Because we don't want to spoil it. We want them to read you we got back. multiple, multiple yeah. levels
1: of bad guys. Um, the yeah. human bad guy, actually, it was interesting. So we wrote the rough draft. So we brainstormed, we wrote the rough draft. Then we actually reconvened and had a big meeting one day, a big lunch meeting, yeah. to mostly go over the big bad guy's motivations yeah. and like why he was doing what he was doing. Uh, and then we came back and rewrote it for the final man he got so much more evil
4: oh yeah (laughs) yes i think you know i I like having bad guys at varying levels and varying complexities because what it does is it just it 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 allows you to, to just completely mess with your characters on different levels you know some some are just a bad guy that that prevent them from You know, progressing a little bit in life or whatever, and then there's ones that it's like, oh, this dude's gonna kill you, and then there's the bad guys. It's like, well, this person will end your entire existence because it's a god. Yeah, and and that's pretty much the levels that we have. I mean, we have these. We got these sister gods.
1: Yes, we got the gods who are just like one of them. Horrible. They're horrible. They're horrible to each other and horrible to their people. Uh, But then we have like the human bad guy um, who basically wants to invade hell to steal all the souls of the damned to power magical super weapons. Yeah. To I mean, as you do on a Saturday night. Cuz that sounds
0: safe. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's the second tier villain.
0: <laughs> yeah. and Is that
1: second tier? I hate
5: to say so, what so the next So clearly story.
2: you gentlemen have outdone yourselves on evil villains. And <laughs> speaking of evil villains, JR tried to steal my question, my favorite question. and I'm stealing it back cuz I caught him. If your characters found you in a back alley, oh no! What would they do if they knew you two were the ones who put them through all that? Oh jeez. Oh,
4: we get our butts kicked so hard. Oh. Um,
3: <laughs> so,
4: Depends on which character. Natalia so main, would kill us. She'd just so, shoot us. So Natalia would kill us from a distance. She's yeah. a sniper.
1: Yeah, we'd enter the alley, and then like we'd catch a bullet from like five hundred yards from the shadows.
4: So Alarian, so, who's the main good guy, he probably he probably like. He'd probably give us a hug and say do better next time yeah he's actually <laughs> a good kid he's a good kid yeah he'd probably ask us to read something for him um because he doesn't <laughs> know how to read um and then uh let's see christoph we'd probably get knifed and left to monsters whatever he'd like try to steal her earthly, or earthly secrets or then... he'd say we did such a good job that he'd recruit us at least me Or <laughs>
2: i'm not sure you want to be recruited by.
1: He'd probably he'd get to earth he'd steal my credit card use it to buy a bunch of ak-47s and ship them back to Kolokovia for to, to win the war yeah so and then yeah. he'd say he invented them
4: to take all the credit yeah let recruit the
0: krasnovian army to take out the bad guys yeah i'm I'm feeling
4: what you're picking up. It up
0: pick it up what you're putting down
4: yeah so that that's probably what happened so half of them would kill us yeah yeah well, and then the, okay. the fourth character who's kind of sort of secondary slash main, oh, he'd, Amos. He'd, Amos would be actually – He, I don't know what he would do. He'd be okay. He's he'd, I mean, he's all about forgiveness. Yeah, could we
1: actually have a character who's basically a Jewish rabbi
4: yeah.
1: uh, slash wizard. <laughs> we, have, we have a rabbinical wizard. Uh, he's actually a really nice guy, though. I think we'd be okay with him.
5: Yeah,
4: he'd probably just yeah. ask if we could find a quiet place for him to go. He'd home. be
1: like, why? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Why can't you not yeah. even get hours for good?
0: Okay. Good. Like, so how, how are we looking for time on your end? Because we've got some that are just fun questions we can cut if we need to.
5: No, I'm you good. guys
1: keep going. I, I yeah, all right. I'll just. I got to drive. I, we're in Steve's office because we were recording episodes of Writer Dojo right before this, and I was going to go home to do this. And there's just no way I was going to make it, kind of about 45 minutes away. So I was just, we're, we're sitting here at Steve's office yeah. uh, to do That's why we're together. So... Yeah. um but yeah no i'm i'm good i'll just drive home whenever no, we're good
0: all right god
2: okay so do you guys have a favorite archetype that you like to write
1: Ooh. i don't know i like oh, yeah. a lot of them
2: i uh, think larry's favorite archetype is women who shoot amazingly well <laughs> i have one of those in that in this book and you have one for a daughter
1: i do actually <laughs> yeah, my, yeah so. I have two that are actually pretty solid. Don't don't get in a gunfight with either of my kids. Uh,
2: I, I think the work. first post I ever read from you was you bragging about your daughter just absolutely smoking these guys. So
5: when you're first. talking-
2: <laughs> I actually have
1: several book series where I have a female Marksman character. I have one- I in-
0: know, I pay attention. So, no, so I- your kids, is it like long arms or is it pistols?
1: Pistols primarily with my girls.
0: Oh, then I'm in, I'm host. I, I went through the pistol course, and they told me I'd be better off throwing the pistol at the bad guys than shooting <laughs> them with it. Now, give me a rifle; I could do amazing things. Bye. All right.
1: So, so, while Steve thinks of his archetype, real quick story—the one the, one the Doc Sisk talking about. Okay, so what it was is I, I had my my older daughter at the range. She's shooting a 1911. It's her it's her 1911, um, and we live next to an air force base, or we used to live by an air force base, and so we're at the indoor range there. And uh, this young guy comes in, high and tight. He's got a of 92. So obviously, this is an airman. And he's got an old guy coaching him. And the, and the old guy's got some sort of Eastern European accent. The old guy's giving this guy coaching. And so my daughter's setting up her target. So and stuff. Well, the young guy, the Air Force guy, looks at my daughter. And he, he, he didn't mean to be rude. But he kind of sneered at her. Because at the time, she's like 15, 16 years old. And he kind of sneered at her like, oh, she's a little girl. Doesn't she know that handgun shooting is hard? And he's got a tie, he's targeted about 10 yards, and he's got a group about you know this big. Okay. It's like a, you know, not a good group. Like he's barely keeping them in a yeah, is it, they're not all in a B8, you know what I mean? And he's so, proving
2: that chair force works. Yeah, so <laughs> and he's getting coached
1: and he's kind of sneers at my daughter. My daughter catches the sneer, and she looks at him like, oh yeah. So she runs her target out to 10 yards, and then like six more inches. All right, so it's just farther than his. Like she was like. Brr then she gets out her 1911 she's loading up then she goes dad i'm gonna practice mozambique drills that's two to the body one to the head And i was like okay and she just goes boom 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 and she's just starting to drill and then she's like reloads and she's just doing it and she's just drilling and just like cutting the eye box out of this dude right and she gets done and she just like looks over at the young guy and the young guy is looking at her like <laughs> and he's just all i like it. This little 16-year-old girl's kicking the crap out of him. And uh so the old guy that was coaching him looks at me and just goes, Good job, Dad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. oh, it was
1: so funny.
4: Oh, that's probably her. All right, so archetypes, yeah. gosh you know, I don't know. I uh, I love I love riding dirt bags. That's probably it for me.
2: I so love, you've got a lot in this book.
4: I, I love writing dirtbag characters. Um, I, I just do. Because because they get a, you know, it, it's kind of the, the very Machiavellian type where where as long as they get the job done, it's good. That's it. And so I, I love writing those types of characters.
0: So on a scale of zero to Joel Ambercrombie, and then at the far end would be like George R.R. R. Martin. How oh, dark yeah. is this novel?
4: Ooh. So, uh, uh, it's, it's not, it's not Joe Abercrombie or Mark Lawrence. Um, it. it was, but we pulled it back.
1: Yeah. You were probably at least Prince of Thorns. Darker. I was definitely, you,
4: you were actually darker. I was, I was darker than Prince of Thorn. I was probably darker than, 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 um, Blade itself overall. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we were there originally because because our Christoph was very much the Glaka character from 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 uh, from First Law trilogy. Only not all physically jacked, but off. just not physically jacked. Um, but uh, we we ended up pulling it back in a few places um, so that it wasn't like super grim dark. Um, if if Joe Abercrombie's like an eight, then um, this is probably a six.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like Martin, I, I think is just, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's just so nihilistic. Yeah. So we're not nihilistic though, because we still no. like, because most of the books through the perspective of a guy who is legit a hero. Uh,
4: yeah. I, you know, I, I learned a lot from, from an author named uh, um, Joe Lansdale. He was one okay. of my, my favorite authors and people everywhere. Um, and he said that, especially for novels, that, that your horror doesn't mean anything unless there's light to counterbalance it. And so um, so we we take that tactic a lot. And frankly, that's that's what Bane readers like anyway. You know, they they need they need heroes and they need they need hope um, or at least the prospect of hope. And so that's that's very much what this is. Yeah. So we get pretty, pretty friggin dark. But
1: we also have the main character. We go back to a guy who actually is the best of them. He's, or he's, he's trying to be the best he, of
4: them. He is a good, good guy. He's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. I, I I love Abercrombie. I love Mark Lawrence. You know, I was a big R. Scott. I was a big R. Scott Baker fan. Um, I, I've read all that stuff. I love all that stuff. You know, Glenn Cook. Uh, the biggest compliment someone gave us is when they said, this is like Glenn Cook. I'm like, yeah. Heck yeah, it is. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I love all that stuff. But I think we're getting to a point in time right now where that's all fine and dandy, but I kind of want to have David Gemmel heroes again. So, yeah. that's my that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, because then like, by like, some of the Black Sword my series is like it's it I get it, I, it gets called Gemmel esque. That's a massive. That's a massive compliment. A
4: massive compliment. I, I
1: think that's a huge compliment. So
2: yeah, I know during uh, the recent unpleasantness as I've taken to calling it. I went for very what I call popcorn books for at one point. Yeah, sure. Because they're just light and fun. Yep. Uh, I, I listened to Tom Stranger enough. Audible gave me a badge for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a little manatee. Should be like yeah. a, little, a little manatee. That, that'd be the perfect.
0: Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I balance the reading. The- <laughs> when you more. read a
2: book so many times on Audible, they give you a badge for like repeat listening of the same book.
0: I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, try I like my boundaries. achievements. Leave me alone. No, it's fine. Gamification of reading. I'll take it. I, I balance reading the the light and fluffy because, you know, life sucks and I don't need to suck it in a book. But I also like reading some of the dark stuff. So that way I'm like, well, you know, all these bad things that happened to me overseas. At least I didn't, you know, have a dragon eat
4: my friend or, or whatever. I, right? I did okay. that
2: during my divorce. I watched a lot of stuff and I was like, look, at least my life's not that crazy. <laughs> the the
4: right, funny so. thing is, is, for me, the horror stuff is the fun stuff. You know, I'm like... <laughs> Like
0: yeah, let's do this. I I can um, see him at a book signing. Write what you know. That's why I write horror, <laughs>
4: I've, dude. I've used that line so many times in panels. That's awesome. because they, that was like seriously, that was one of the worst pieces of advice I ever received when I was when I was a young author. I thought I thought yeah, write what you know. Well, what do I know? Accounting. Nothing. It sucks. <laughs> so-
2: oh come on! My favorite accountant is the werewolf accountant in Laird's book. Or rather, the combat accountant who kills well, the werewolf. I,
1: mean, well, I started out what I I wrote both our careers. guns
4: and accounting. I mean, that's literally our careers. <laughs> that
1: was my career. You know, guns and accounting.
4: We, we 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 worked together for for uh, doing accounting for for Dod. But um, but no, inevitably someone on on some panel is like, "So Steve, why do you write horror?" And I'm like, "Cause it's fun." And and they're not satisfied with that answer. That's not good enough.
5: I think. So, like, you I'm- know,
4: and so that's when I always say, Well, you know, I was given advice early on because they're like, Man, you read a lot of really violent stuff, Steve, a lot of torture and stuff. I'm like, Yeah, I do. Cause I was told to write what you know. And then you know <laughs> depending on the person, I either get a laugh or they turn around <laughs> and walk away from me and then I never hear from them again. It's a weird
2: I actually knew a horror author one time who went, Cause I'm a sick puppy.
4: It works because it's cheaper
0: than therapy. I well, get what it. Is it.
4: What is it that you say about me, Larry? It's the getting
0: out of a good childhood or something?
1: Yeah, and actually, because I originally brought this line off of what Mike said about Taylor, but uh-huh. it was like, Steve is one cigarette being put out on his skin away from being a serial killer. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: right. I, I'm really super glad that Steve's parents are really nice people.
0: That you know <laughs> of? Have you checked <laughs> their basement?
1: If Steve has great parents, if Steve had had like a terrible childhood, dude, if we'd flipped, and you had my childhood oh
4: dude i would have killed so oh, many people he
1: steve steve would have already steve would already capped a lot of dudes a
4: lot of people but i wouldn't be in prison don't worry about that
1: no he'd be <laughs> fine. If, if we flipped <laughs> childhoods actually if we had flipped childhoods i'd probably be police chief oh like some small town you would totally be, be a cop i would because i tried to do that anyway yeah and then you friggin would be out there like work you'd be a hitman for the mafia probably <laughs> seriously he'd be like <laughs> you're probably right yeah, or you'd be working for like a Mexican drug cartel, you're fluent in Spanish.
4: That's legit. Like,
1: he his Spanish is perfect, so he'd be working for like <laughs> Rosetas
4: right now or whatever. That's legit. Yeah, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be poisoning people's coke stashes.
2: So it would be kind of like that. And when I was stationed at Fort Bliss in Juarez, there were many of the people who worked for some of the senior management of the cartels lived in Juarez and these
5: were
2: oh, sure. uh, in, in Juarez but lived in El Paso and these very yeah. um. Palatial, pretty places. Like seriously, one of them looked like it was a mini water park.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. thought of that before. But I'm glad, I mean, yeah, if we flipped childhoods, we just would turn out a lot different. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, what I'm getting from Larry and Steve and Doc is that we clearly went into the wrong line of work. All right. So, oh, I already so, could have told you I went into the wrong line of work. So I keep
2: making listen. the bad choice.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the world, but is there anything about the world that we haven't talked about that you think is germane for our listeners? Because in many stories, the worlds where they take place are as much a character as the protagonist and antagonist. So was there anything else you wanted to cover?
4: Boy, you know, I I think that that's true for this world too. I mean, in, in many ways, Larry and I are trying to create a world that feels, that feels very authentic and lived in. Um, you know, I, I was watching the Wheel of Time series on Amazon. I suffered through it, and <laughs> uh, and the the entire world for some reason I don't know if it's the way it's shot or whatever, but it all feels it all feels so sanitized. Um, it feels it feels like no one's lived in that too world. Clean? Yes. Yeah, everything's too clean. Yes, too clean. Um, like, like it just, it just doesn't feel right where, you know, you, you see something like the witcher and everything's pretty dark, pretty gritty. And you're like, yeah, yeah. A dude totally died in that, in that alley that the guy just passed. Like, like this totally happened. What'd you hear on that?
1: Henry Cavill, like they do makeup they He'd be dirty and they put a little dirt on his face and he goes, no, that's not right. He'd go roll in the mud. Like in costume. He'd like literally go roll around. I love
2: the- that man so hard.
1: and he'd be all filthy. And like, okay, this is good.
0: Yeah, you know, having been on some really long road marches carrying a lot of heavy stuff, like sweats has a way of changing the way your clothes look and texture and smell and the way cool. it reflects the light. I mean, like all of that is real, and you never like no farm boy is ever that clean.
4: No, and and what I hope people see when they when they read this is they see just they see this this giant world that we've created and and the influences that it's pulled from other places. But I hope they also see that man. We barely scratched the surface on it. So
0: okay. So uh, right now, Servants of War stands alone, but it sounds like there's more coming. So is that a correct assumption that, that more will be coming from these characters?
1: If if you guys buy it, if people buy it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If
0: people buy it,
2: Larry, <laughs> how many true. Dragon Awards do you have?
5: Oh wait,
1: wait. Uh, four. Uh, but but that said, that said, I is also competing with all my other stuff, so. It's all if, if it's all up in six months. Tony Weisskopf comes to me and goes, "Yeah, that was good, Larry. You should do some more of those." And I'm then we're all in. We've got like a ton more. We would totally do. Yeah. So
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know they can they can, can vote with their pocketbooks. Yes,
1: I do have I do I I believe I hold the I believe I hold the world record for dragons right now. Yes, you do. Which is ironic because I keep telling my fans to not nominate me. But if it's a collaborative novel, that would be really unfair to my Heck co-authors. Yeah. I'd be a total That's dick right. if I did that. So. That's right. Yeah. I, that Steve's okay be...
2: with the world being unfair. Yeah, Somewhere.
1: I'm definitely okay with it. Okay, so if it's a Larry Korea only novel, I'm okay. I got mine share the love with other authors, seriously. But if it's a collaborative novel, I would be a dick if I said that. So, like, if you like the book, vote That's for right. it, and Steve would uh, – I, I won with John Ringo, and I won with John Brown so (laughs) yeah and they hear i hear when
4: you're born with larry they
0: give you a second mountain and two castles no we don't
4: that's true you know i mean
0: larry got forward he he bought a mountain with a castle
4: on it so i'm thinking it's only getting better from there look the the more we sell the more bunkers and stuff that larry can make and this is important Hey, if I saw wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, is he going to populate them with Pano novels? I know people who are waiting outside to know if this is true. If he's going to buy more Pano novels, because if so, they won't buy the book.
1: I, um, I don't know if we sell another hundred thousand copies, I might be able to buy a case of five, five, six ammo, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or take a tank of gas. At least three. More. Or fill your car. <laughs> no, fill, or right. fill my,
1: or I could, I could, I could drive my truck back and forth once. To yeah. town.
0: So, so we know that every literary unit has their own internally consistent rules of technology and magic. Um, so, what sort of tech or magic can we expect from these books? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: this was big. Oh. oh, yeah. We did a bunch of this because I'm a nerd for this kind of stuff on world building. So, like, one of the big things is like, we wanted to, I wanted to get the feel of like a tank crew uh, working Ooh. together. And so, what it was is, the, but they, they don't have tanks, they have these suits made out of dead golems. So they get golem fragments, and the way magic works in this uh, is so golems, real golems, only one group of people can make them, but they're basically super weapons. They're like weapons of mass destruction, but if they kill a golem on the battlefield, they can get the phrase off it, and they can break it into parts and use those little parts to power these basically suits, these big steampunk suits. Yeah. So a big part of the technology in the book is those. Uh, so they're magically powered walking fighting suits and have, they have basically like these, they're supposed to have like 10 man crews, but they're always so shorthanded. They usually are running with like five or six. Um, But The the way the magic works is the more, the the more the suit works and the more damage it takes from like bullets and fragments, the hotter it gets. So there's one dude right inside and, but the heat just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And they start to cook, they get third degree burns. And so when they're getting cooked and they're, they're just going to pass out. They uh, they stop the line, they pop the hatch, pull the half-dead driver out, throw in a bucket of water, and they throw in the next guy. Like, reload the guns and just keep fighting. And they just turn them. And, uh, like, and the rest of the crew, their job is to, like, keep the robots, well not robots, the, the suits, the objects, from falling over because they're kind of clumsy. And so they're walking through these blasted battlefields. There's been shell, there's craters, there's barbed wire. Yep. And, and so the whole crew, rest of the crew, They don't even get guns. The rest of the crew, they have shovels, pry bars, chains, uh, and they're getting shot at. There's explosions going off, and they're up there like, hey, I got to move this board.
0: (laughs) So that's how you can tell that someone knows nothing about the military when they write units where everybody's fully staffed. Because that just oh, doesn't happen.
1: Gosh, yeah.
4: These guys aren't stepped.
1: No, these guys are hosed continually, and they get treated like garbage too. Because it's you know it's a, it's a Eastern European style army, so it's very much. It's like oh, you know, just uh, just just push through there with your courage.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if you die, just don't lose your shovel.
1: Oh yeah, because he's issued a shovel. The shovel is like way more valuable than his life. At one point, he finally gets to drive the suit, and it's like. Takes care of my shovel.
0: <laughs> I, mean, my I, I remember long ago getting that same lecture from. That sounds about, very like, accurate. About his coffee pot, so I understand the struggle. He oh, told yeah. me he could have more kids, but coffee pots were expensive.
1: Yeah, no. At one point, like they're they're scavenging corpses, and they come up with a come up with a knife, like uh, just a combat knife off one of the enemy, and it's like this is a prize because now all of a sudden I got, I have a good knife now. Yeah, I actually, I actually have a knife in case the enemy closes with us.
4: Yeah, yay! <laughs> and yeah, and so, so we, we take full advantage of that in the story. All those, all those, like the the scarcity is a big uh, deal in this book. Yeah. So
2: of all, I like of all the tech and magic that you put together, which one would you want to have for daily use in our world?
0: Uh oh, the horror writer's going to give us something. Yeah. You know,
1: Honestly, honestly, I don't want. Any, I I would not no. want anything from this world in ours. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, well, because there's magic. But Larry's like hard pass. Just know. no. No, you, you don't want. You want no part of this. Okay,
1: because basically, so we didn't get to this part, but basically, the power source for all the magic is dead people. Yeah, it's um, it's it's souls it's and the souls. Yeah, the bad people are like taking human souls and just basically. Chopping them up and using them to power different things.
4: Yeah, you're so there. There is there is no good tech, and
1: I mean, yeah. So the bad (laughs) guys are harvesting ghosts. Yeah. So we've
0: got we've had Doc. We've had 175 episodes when we were sci-fi shenanigans. This is episode 131, and in all of those episodes, I don't think anyone said nope. I don't want any of it. Leave it there. I mean, that is the first. (laughs) You want nothing to do with this.
2: Three hundred yeah. episodes, and you guys are the first. We're like, yeah, no,
4: hard pass. Yeah, no, 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 these
1: guys. These guys are. They've had a hundred. They have. A, they've had a century of warfare because basically both kingdoms are like, hey, dead people are great because then we get to do more magic.
4: Yeah. Let's see. So we've got we've got dead people magic. We've got gas that dissolves your skin. We've got. Um...
0: We can make, I can make gas that dissolves, but your skin here.
4: Uh, well, if you're yeah.
0: listening, Susan with Jicky Jicky over on uh YouTube's or whoever runs anchor, she's talking hypothetically. Uh, Mr. FBI man we're're we're, we're just this is theoretical. I'm just I saying mean, there's,
4: it's yeah there's there's nothing good. I mean and some of that some of that same tech goes to like basically turn corpses into monsters.
1: Well yeah, they, they actually they 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 use the same technology to take basically uh, the Dude's dead and dying good, and yeah.
4: then turn them into
1: battlefield implements.
4: So like there's, so, there's nothing good.
1: Yeah so like honestly this world like there there's like there's there's no Hogwarts
4: and there. there's no Hufflepuffs okay you got to understand my my mom my mom likes everything you know jelly beans and rainbows and and unicorns and stuff like that and uh, and and she goes she knows what i write she doesn't read a lot of it she reads some of it she doesn't read all of it but she goes she goes okay well so is this going to be your happy book and i said i don't think so um She's like, well, is there any happiness in it? And I said, well, the main character learns how to read at one point. That's that's, that's pretty happy. He had a good day. There's there's a puppy. There's there's
0: a yeah. There's Who a eats the puppy? Come on, I'm getting this feeling. The,
4: it, it eats a person, but there's a puppy.
2: Your mom does. Your mom ever go? What did I do wrong? You know. Uh, I don't think I, mean, so. I think she I'm a me. mom and I ask that constantly and my kid doesn't even write her yet.
4: <clears throat> you know, my 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 dad, my dad the other day asked me why he's like, wait, you listen to metal music? I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, when did that happen? How did that happen? And then my mom is asking me, you know, like, she's like, Why, man, you write a lot of really dark stuff. I'm like,
5: yeah,
4: I do. Like it, like, where did this coming from? Where does this come I'm from? My like,
1: Paris Red Servants War yet? No.
4: <laughs> no. Metal
0: can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Because at one point in time, like Pearl Jam and Guns N' Roses was considered heavy metal, and now it's like light rock.
4: Oh, so no. where listen. are you defining? I don't listen to that crap. No. I'm okay. Not. We're talking, I prefer things like, um, uh, like Camelot. Um, when-, when-, when, we were- when we were doing the draft of this book, I-, I have to have music on when I write, I have to, or I get nothing done. And so um, the bands that helped me get through this book were um, uh, Tremonti, who I just saw um, live the other day. He was, he was freaking rad. Camelot, Catatonia, um, Epica, and let's see who else. Um, oh, and, and Disturbed, of course.
0: Of course. Okay. All right. So, so we're going to we're going to have a hard pivot cuz uh I don't know how we come back from that. But uh yes, so we we've established that your your novel has um sort of fantastical creatures and it applies if you're writing aliens too. So how do you go about creating them? Do you let your nightmares uh inspire you? you get too much I think like that's secondary? What inspired all of the book. Yeah, I mean, was it like secondary drug high from your metal concerts? Like where do Yo. you guys come oh, up with these ideas?
4: I I just love monsters. Um the the monsters the actual monster monsters that are there in this book, I think I did all of them. You kid. you you can well I I actually I did one thing that was darker. I made the bird
1: things at the end. You closer. did that?
4: That was grosser. It was
1: way grosser. What I so Steve had these really monstrous bird thing when they're in hell. Yeah, they, they go to hell at one point. Um, they march through hell, and that's a hell of a road march. And um, they yeah it's pretty. Um, so Steve had these bird monsters at one point. When you finally because they're circling above and then finally when they get close, really they were horrific. I made them worse.
5: Yeah. That's yeah. proud
1: of you. Yeah, that was actually really gross. Was that was actually a full-on monster hunter moment. I was like, I was like, these these bird things are awful and terrifying, but they need to be grosser. And yeah. so yeah, they, they did, they got grosser.
4: Yeah, I, I like taking things that seem like they should be normal. And then I uh I make them really, really gross and weird. And then I try to to even make them worseer, if that's a word. Um, now you're an author. I know, right? I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, Professional word people. So yeah, I, I love I love doing really weird, gross, creepy things, and then and then just and yeah. then just twisting them even more. Like
1: the most most straightforward monster we had was probably the ghouls, like because yeah, like, I was like a traditional. Like all every folklore's got some sort of subterranean humanoid yeah, yeah. that eats dead people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we actually use that quite a bit in this book as like a way that they basically like the criminal underworld just gets rid of bodies. Yeah. Like like basically you but don't
4: that that was kind of from like Deadwood, where 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 Swearegen would would get rid of bodies using the pigs. That that's totally where I got it from, but but yeah, but with ghouls, it's like if,
1: actually we actually added some religious stuff because like if you don't want somebody to get eaten by ghouls, you have to perform like some religious rites yeah. over them for consecrated ground. Otherwise, yeah, you just leave a, If you want a body taken care of, just leave it out. It'll be gone in the morning.
0: <laughs> so, so speaking <laughs> of eating horrific things, how do you feel about pineapples on pizza?
1: I'm okay with it actually. I,
0: I figures the genocidal Krasnovian would be okay here's what you got to understand about larry
4: larry likes everything yeah i'm the worst person to ask food. none of my friends will listen to no me on food no because he he thinks all food is great now that's wrong so it's uh no to be
1: fair okay in my defense what it is is i'm actually kind of a foodie and so i will go to like michelin starred restaurants but for lunch i will eat at a taco truck you know in the worst part of town that has roaches running across i'm like Added good.
0: protein. Added
1: protein. I, I'm, utter, I'm actually kind of. I'm, I'm not. I wasn't completely fearless because there is some food that I just can't do. But Fast
0: I will. No.
1: I'm that guy, and so I, I realized a couple of years ago that none of my friends will trust me on food. They'll be like, "Hey, this place opened up. Is it any good?" I'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's great." And i will look like, "No, somebody other than Larry."
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but wait. I think somebody once told me you put Pepsi in your. Diet Pepsi in your horchata.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Coke chata. <laughs> yeah. What is that? <laughs> what is see, that? That's actually pretty good.
0: Yeah. See, mean,
2: I've had good. I've had a pep I've had a horchata latte, that was banging.
1: Yeah. No. I make I make Coke chata, and now that I drink Diet Coke chata
2: zero.
0: That's right. What man. is a chata? I, I'm, I'm Oh totally God! Lost.
2: You are so Anglo.
4: Oh man. Oh
2: I'm I'm paler than the sun.
4: Basically, think of it as liquid churro in a cup. That's totally what it is. Yeah, it's awesome. It's It's, awesome. It's
2: it's, the main ingredients are right rice water, water. brown sugar, vanilla, cinnamon. Though I use almond milk in mine and lower the amount of sugar. i Use brown sugar when I make it at home and almond milk, yep, as well as the rice milk because it puts less sugar in it, so it's a little healthier.
1: I put it this way: I've tried like every every kind of ethnic food there is on Earth that I can like think of. Like, if if there's a restaurant somewhere in America dedicated to some, like 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 why meat, is it,
2: well, all of Larry's friend He's I mean, Larry's. Yeah. So none of my friends wanted me to pick the place, and I'm like, let's go, let's go.
4: Yeah, I'm uh, good. So, I'm good with whatever. Like, I'll try anything. Yeah. So so pineapple on a pizza, like that's that's like last resort pizza.
0: Fair.
4: Um. Now, if you remove that and instead you place jalapenos on it, then you. Then we're talking God's food.
2: Yeah, okay. well, Jared wants to put pistachio nuts on it. That's
0: I don't know wrong. where you get this crazy idea from, Doc. So, so speaking of food, be- before we wrap this up, did you actually include any of your foodie stuff in this novel, Larry and Steve?
4: No. No. Not no, one has food. I know.
1: It's like, here's your potato.
0: They're, they're ration lines. <laughs> okay. So they had liquid potatoes. Okay. I'm, I'm a good. Oh, yeah, there is actually a
1: lot of drinking. I mean, they There's, drink a lot. That's
0: about the only consistent thing within the book. They well, because if they
1: don't, basically, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like they, they just keep plenty of alcohol because the water, the water is all crap too. And so they drink a lot of booze and plus
4: it keeps its rebellion down. To be fair. That's yeah. how it was when I lived in Mexico. So.
0: Okay. Or any army base. You know, we just drink a lot of stuff. We
1: actually we actually do have plan for the sequels. Yeah, should that should uh, should we get to do yeah or they go to the other country and they're like, holy crap, what you just buy food at a store?
5: <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> they just buy food?
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely in fact I was to type into doc in the side chat that we're definitely gonna have to get this book and do a book review on it because I'm I'm interested. Wait.
2: I don't think they have any audiobooks, so JR, you're gonna have to brush up on your oh, it's, Be- it's an audio. audio.
1: Yeah, it's an audio. Is an audio?
2: I have not yes. listened to it
1: yet, even. I have not had
2: a maybe, maybe that's what Audible was trying to tell me when they told me I had a new book downloaded <laughs> Oh, cool.
0: So there uh,
2: are some people who I have on, like just auto buy, like Faith Hunter. I love Faith. Uh, Faith. great. I, 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 when Audible did their 85% off sale, Right. Uh, yeah, that that was dangerous.
4: I bought so many things in my bought, commute. In my commute's less than 10 minutes.
2: I bought all of Soulwood and finished it in less than a month. I bought about half of the Jane Yellow Rocks. And then I decided since I hadn't even started Soulwood, I should at least see if I like it before <laughs> I buy all of them. Well, Faith, um, Faith
1: is awesome. Faith is super cool.
2: Yeah, Faith, I, I really want to meet her one day. One day. You haven't met uh, Faith? Oh. Well, I've probably run into her. I panel a lot of people at DragonCon, but paneling somebody at Dragon Con and actually sitting down and talking to them at Dragon Con are yeah, two you're different really,
1: You're really running there. She's she's a sweetheart. She's really nice.
2: But, uh, like, she's on my auto-buy, you are. Uh, Davis Ashura is, Robert Ross. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. I other ones. Yeah, I, I have a list. I, I don't even, like, almost anything Nick Podell narrates, Jay Boyce writes. Yeah. All of them just seem to automatically end up in
4: my. Yeah, this this narrator is not one that Larry's had before. No, it's
1: a new narrator for me. I've actually not had it before, but he did all the CJ Cherry's books. Yeah, okay. Um, and, so uh, far,
4: everyone says that he's done a great job.
1: Yeah, so the narr- So, like I said, I haven't got to listen to it yet.
4: Um, I'm but- too nervous too. Well, I know That's Steve- you don't have a commute. I have PTSD. Well, no, I have PTSD from from Residue. Um, they they just picked the wrong reader for it um he he i listened to his stuff on other things and he did a great job but on mm-hmm. my book it was just a miss um and the, it was actively hurting my reviews so like like it was hurting sales and so i i ended up pulling it so now i'm i'm on the lookout for someone who i can pay to read this thing well
1: and like on um, for me i am currently working on the, on number 4 on the son of the black sword right. sorry forgotten where i can't listen to my audiobooks of a different series while working in a different series.
0: That makes sense. I could see that.
1: It causes too much brain shift. Yeah. Because each of my series is really different as far as tone Mm -hmm. and voice. Uh, So I have to finish this book I'm on, then I can listen to something else. Yeah. Otherwise, I get all screwed up. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, all my characters who are Indian start talking with, you know, Polish accents.
2: That would be awkward. I mean, I might pay to see it, but that would be awkward.
1: Ashok gets a shovel and a potato. So.
0: <laughs> I mean, my my Irish and Scottish ancestors are down with a potato. If we get a little steak to go with it, that we steal from the English. Um, so clearly this interview is winding down, um, and Doc's going to fall asleep here soon. But was there anything about Servants of War that you wanted to tell us that we didn't ask before we wrap this up?
4: Oh, man, just freaking bite and read it. Hope people like it. Yeah, Check it out. I, I, I think people are really going to like it. I'm really proud of it yeah it's it's awesome the reviews
1: are excellent actually the reviews are really really good
4: yeah really really good
0: well your commercial that you play on your writer's dojo is what said made me reach out to do this interview so if it's anything as good as that that audio commercial like people are going to dig it so yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: jack jack read that jack did an awesome job with that so but jack uh, did a pretty awesome job
2: on pretty much
1: oh so so our podcast would be utter crap if it wasn't for him in fact he almost in fact, died. It, in fact it
4: was utter crap for about three episodes he
1: he jack got COVID real bad and about died he he
4: got really really yeah. sick and uh yeah
1: yeah he he and so we we steve
4: <laughs> tried to tackle all the the editing and producing while it was bad news bears all over like it was it was rough. everybody's
1: like wow your sound is all stupid and terrible and bad this time what's wrong with you sorry you're so amateur it's like sorry Jack's in the hospital.
4: We suck. Our sound, our sound guy's almost dead, so Steve had to fill in. Um, and he's not. <laughs> that's the main part.
2: No, 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 no. Jr. We let J- we let the numnuts who's colorblind do all and brain damage do all the editing and hard
0: of hearing. Who knew getting blown up a bunch of times was bad for your hearing? <laughs> so, but this is. <laughs>
1: But the so, VA says you're fine. Just change your socks and take some Motrin.
0: That's right. Not service-connected. Those 27 IEDs had nothing to do with your health conditions. Uh, my favorite was the neurologist that tried to tell me the brain damage was all in my head, and I'm like, you think?
5: Yes. <laughs> Where but
1: else uh, did it? You know, my foot, doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he didn't last very long at the VA. The, the Vietnam vets are sometimes very colorful, and they're um, voicing their opinions on certain staff members. Sure. So if you upset them, it tends... They tend not to stick around.
1: A good, so, a good, a good friend of my, a good friend of ours works at the VA, and he's got, he's actually got a really hard job. It's, they do, yeah. So, it, he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place working for the government. It's it's the government, so I feel bad for the dude. He tries, he works really hard, but I
0: play but, with
2: chemicals for a reason
0: so one of the things that larry mentioned is that to determine whether they're going to write a book two is how much book one sells but once uh, in addition to buying the book one way you can help the authors is to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms your reviews help the right readers find the right books even a bad review can sell somebody if it's like oh i don't like this too much guns i'm like dude sign me up my favorite review was for one of mine but was a 12 year old with adhd wrote gun porn i'm like out freaking standing. Can I use that as ad copy? So, you know, obviously we like good reviews, but reviews in general help. So do your thing, people.
2: Hey, okay, my right. I actually picked up a book because they went, it's a Laurel K. Hamilton book, her new one, and somebody, and a review went, not enough sex. I went, okay, that sounds like I really could read this at work.
4: Did you
1: see that I'm the back cover blurb for that?
2: Yes, I, I did. did. We're going to do a review episode I, on that one. I yeah. got
1: to read, I got to read the very first early, early rough draft. Yeah, Laura.
2: I, I thought it was really good, and I could definitely see knowing you and having read both your works, I could see some of your influence with it.
1: No, I loved it. I thought it was great. And like you said, she basically what she was – is, and so, yeah, it's not as sexy as Anita Blake because, you know, that that freaks out a lot of people. Uh, but so she wanted to go more with this series, more like original, the first few Anita Blake books where it was a little more – Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I like Anita Blake, and I've read all of them, but there is something really special – about some of the early novels of Anita Blake, my mom also used to send me to school with like Guilty Pleasures and made sure that my teachers knew I was reading it.
1: Yeah, so I was actually really, I was, I was actually pretty honored when she. Was, it's
2: like, actually read the It's early not books. as bad. Oh, Steve yeah. is making a face, but Guilty Pleasures is very, very tame. <laughs> it's just the name because the names are all about locations.
0: So
1: I, I, well, I, 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 I enjoyed it so.
0: So that will be uh, coming up soon as a book review episode that we're going to do. But uh, as we bring this home, and I'd like to actually review this book because it sounds outstanding. We just got to get Nick to actually read again. But uh, Steve Diamond, can you tell listeners how they can find you? And as usual, it will be in the show notes.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think the best place is to, if you actually want to get in touch with me and have me respond, um, grab, just grab me on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, that's probably the easiest ways so Uh, you're
2: the you're the facebook face because we know larry it's banned
4: i'm probably banned at any given i'm banned right now i I, so i'm i uh i I tend to to be pretty uh closeted i don't i don't i don't really get out on social media and say anything very ever um (laughs) so um so i i tend not to get banned because i just don't say anything
1: I, me on social media, I'm like the loud guy taking my shirt off to fight people.
2: <laughs> you know what? Melta got banned on TikTok for not saying anything.
0: I'll say, all right. So speaking of uh, your, your banned on Facebook, Larry, but uh, where can people find Larry <laughs> Korea if they're not on Facebook? You're um,
1: my name is MonsterHunterNation.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook sometimes. I'm on Twitter, Mon- uh, Korea45. Uh, or MonsterHunter45, sorry. And... Um, uh, basically, also Steve and I do a podcast yeah. called Writer Dojo, and uh, that's available. It's a writing podcast. It's just like a, it's just for writers trying to to be better writers to get paid. Yeah, and uh, we're in our second season now, but that's available everywhere. Podcasts are Spotify, Anchor, uh, Apple. Uh, it's on YouTube also and Rumble. We,
0: we've we've shared
2: in in our group actually, so
0: and Is Doc actually more- gets a shout out in the uh, in the sponsorship ad.
2: In one of them, I did. <laughs> yeah. So, I didn't know. Jack's like, I need you to check out this episode.
0: And uh you can find us, dear listener, over on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. That is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Uh be nice because Seska answers that one mostly because she books the show for us. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. We promise one day we'll get a grown up website, but just not today. Uh, you can also support us over there for as little as 99 cents a month. Or you could support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrender.
2: Never surrender. By the way, JR, my cup's broken.
0: All right. We're going to have to get people to donate some more so you can get another <laughs> cup. I'm the sober <laughs> operator because apparently all three of us podcasting drunk is just bad. Who the thunk? Who knew? <laughs> all right, Doc, bring it home.
2: Okay, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee, addle brained Nick Garber and J.R. Handley, I'm Suska. This was a Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back same time, same place, maybe. I don't know. Well, let's see See who doesn't land that. Uh, and Indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom, and, of course,
0: torturing Jr. because why wouldn't we? Wait, am I the addle brained one, or am I the absentee one? Yeah. Uh, you're something. All right, well then-